I invite you to take your Bible and turn with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, it's on page 990 if you're using one of the Bibles here and you need to find it. As I mentioned just a moment ago in the prayer, our sermon this morning will be dealing with the sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or the evil one. And here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, we have a kind of application of that sixth petition to a very specific situation that the Apostle Paul is dealing with, specifically as the Apostle Paul desires for the gospel, the word of God, to speed forward, uh, to go and conquer hearts and lives for, for Jesus Christ. And yet he notices obstacles and he, and he recognizes them as very uh, powerful enemies, even the evil one uh, hindering the progress of the gospel. And so the Apostle Paul instructs the church in Thessalonica and for us here as well uh, to pray for the speeding forth of the gospel of Jesus Christ as it is victorious uh, throughout this world. And so we'll read 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verses 1 through 5. This is the holy and inspired word of God. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing, that, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. So far from God's holy word. I ask you to take also the Trinity Psalter hymnal and turn with me in the back to Lord's Day 52 of the Heidelberg Catechism. It's on page 896. There's three questions here, but we'll just consider the first question regarding the sixth petition. Question 127. So I'll read the question and we'll respond together with the answer. Question 127. What does the sixth petition mean? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil means we are so weak that we cannot stand on our own for a moment and our sworn enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh, Never stop attacking us. And so, Lord, uphold us and make us strong by the power of your Holy Spirit, so that we may not be defeated in this spiritual fight, but may firmly resist our enemies until we finally win the complete victory. So far from the Catechism. To your congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 reminds us as a church that we are not a church at peace, but we are a church at war. That the church here on earth is not the church at rest, but the church militant, uh, the church that is facing enemies. Now, of course, we also know that as the Apostle Paul teaches in Ephesians chapter 6, that the war that we're facing is not against flesh and blood, but it is a spiritual war, right? The Catechism even highlights that for us by speaking of it as a spiritual fight. And that our enemies, again, are not flesh and blood, but as the Catechism opens up for us, the world, the flesh, and the devil, or the evil one, as the Apostle Paul speaks about in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 
And so then, as we think about our context as being not at peace but at war, we recognize then our need for prayer. Prayer is properly understood within the context of this spiritual war. It's as a number of people have described it, a kind of wartime walkie-talkie by which we call down heavenly strength and heavenly power to engage in the struggle that is before us. A struggle that left to ourselves, we are too weak to even stand for a moment. A struggle left to ourselves that um, we would cower in fear. You know, the, the typical um, answer, maybe you've seen this go around the internet all the time, so the, the yelling at, at you that you are not David, right? Uh, that, that as we think about the spiritual battle before us, we are not David who rushes forward with, with valor and bravery to face Goliath. You're not even Rocky who can, you know, go face Drago and, uh, and bring the Cold War uh, to, to, you know, bring a peace about there, right? These are not the characters we are, right? We are those on the sidelines. And as we think about ourselves in the spiritual fight, we know that we need a champion. We need one who will fight for us and be our strength. And that, of course, is the Lord Jesus Christ, right? The Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 3, The Lord is faithful. He will establish and guard you against the evil one. He is your strength. And so with this context in mind, I want us to briefly think about um, two things that the Apostle Paul calls us to pray for um, in relationship to the sixth petition. And those two things come to us um, in the verses we read from 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. First, we are to pray for the advance of the gospel in order that God be glorified. And second, we are to pray that God would sustain our faithful witness for his glory. Those are the two things that the Apostle Paul calls us to pray for as we think about the war, the spiritual fight in which we find ourselves in. And so we'll consider those uh, in turn. First, we are to pray for the advance of the gospel in order that God be glorified. And we see this in verses 1 and 2 of 2 Thessalonians. Paul says there again, just to hear those, hear them again. He writes, finally, brothers, pray for us, right? It's a command and exhortation to the church. And what are we to pray for? That the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have faith. So the Apostle Paul here sort of personifies the word of God, and he personifies the word of God as a kind of Olympic runner, an Olympic athlete, going forth and speeding forth with great strength and great vigor, as it goes throughout the world. And, and we as the people of God are to pray for the word of God to run like Usain Bolt throughout the world. We are to pray for the word of God to run with strength, to run with victory throughout this world. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying is to be a priority and a desire of the church and something that we are to pray for. That as God's word goes forth, right, as he has ordained that the world hear his gospel, and that through that gospel, he gather his people, right, through the hearing of that message. We, the church, he calls us then to pray for God's word to run throughout this world. And the question was, well, what does this look like then, right? What does it look like right, as we pray for God's word to run like an Olympic athlete, to speed ahead throughout this world 
as it goes out and as it runs, what does it look like? What does it do uh, to the places and the people that it encounters? Well, the Apostle Paul says, if you notice, at the end of verse 1, we're to pray for this, that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as it happened among you. Right? So the Apostle Paul is reminding the Thessalonians and even reminding us that the word of God has come to you. The word of God itself, as you're praying for it to go and speed ahead, is a word that has run to you and has come to you. And so what kind of reception, what kind of effect did the word have among the Thessalonians? Well, we read about that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul describes their reception of the gospel as the word came to them. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 9. There the Apostle Paul says that they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you. Right? So as the word of God came to them, the word of the apostles, and it says the effect there, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. All right, so what does it look like as we pray for the word of God to speed ahead of us, to run like an Olympic athlete throughout the world? What does it look like as the word of God does that? Well, it looks like just what took place in Thessalonica. People who once served idols now turn to the living God, and now they are a people defined by waiting, waiting for the return of their king to come for them. Right? That's what it looks like as Paul is praying for uh, the word of God to speed ahead. Therefore, the apostle Paul can say that the word of God had a victory in Thessalonica, though they had not taken over the city, though they had not influenced the culture of the city, though they had not conquered the city and made it a Christian city, right? The word was still victorious there because in the midst of that city, a people were now waiting for the Lord Jesus Christ. And a people were now looking to him, having turned from idols to now serve the living and true God. That is what defines the victory of God's word as it speeds forth. The victory of God's word as we pray for it is that those who are lost and those whom the Lord has called to himself would be gathered and would turn from idols to serve the living and true God. As it happened among the Thessalonians, Thessalonians, and as it happens among us, even here at Messiah's Reformed Fellowship, the word of God has been victorious in New York City. That's the perspective the Apostle Paul wants us to see. That the word of God has established a congregation here who gathers in the name of Jesus Christ to serve him and to wait for him. That's victory according to the prayer that the Apostle Paul wants us uh, to pray. Right, so as we pray for the advance of the gospel, it's this kind of advance that we are looking for. Now, yes, as the church is in a location and as the church, as the people of God, we go out and live as Christians in this world, there might be change and there might be effects upon this city, and we do pray that there are. But we ultimately don't define the victory by that. The victory the Apostle Paul is talking about here is the same one that took place in Thessalonica and the one that has taken place in Manhattan, and we pray that would continue uh, to be the case. And so we're to pray for the advance of the gospel. 
Now, the reason we're to pray also is not just that God would use that as a means that his word would speed forward, but also because there are enemies, right? The Apostle Paul says that we, um, we are also to pray in verse 2, that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have faith. Now, a lot could be said about this, but the way in which the word Paul uses here, you could translate it as those who are out of place. Uh, those likely that he's referring to who are in the church, uh, but are false witnesses, uh, false teachers within the church. Is why he adds, for not all have faith. He's saying that there are those in the church uh, who are hindering this work. Uh, who are not um, promoting the, the preaching of the gospel and the advancement of the gospel, but are those hindering this work. And they're described as wicked and evil men because ultimately their inspiration comes from the evil one himself, which the Apostle Paul speaks about in verse 3. The Lord would guard us against the evil one. And so, as we recognize then, one of the greatest threats that the church faces is not necessarily from outside, but from within. God's word often warns us and calls us to be on guard against those within the church who end up um, disagreeing and hindering the progress of the gospel. And the Apostle Paul, as he leaves the Ephesians, um, he warns them about false teachers rising up. Uh, read Second Peter chapter 2. He warns them against false teachers coming up. Right? Satan is very desirous of, of infiltrating the church and of hindering the gospel progress fr- from within. It's one of the reasons we exercise church discipline as a mark of the true church. Um, it's why we are to be on guard um, against what is taught and to be active listeners uh, to what is being taught. It's why the Lord has established elders and pastors in the church, uh, that we ourselves might be tasked with that responsibility of, of knowing what is being taught and of guarding the sheep against false things that disagree and contradict the word of God. God's concern is very much doctrinal in the life of his church. And Satan's concern, the evil one, is that that message might be distorted and that message might be hindered. And so the Apostle Paul is then saying, in light of that reality, in light of that possibility of, of, of enemies arising within the church, Paul is saying that we are to pray uh, that the Lord might deliver us from such wickedness. And that his word, uh, as we are delivered from that, his word might then advance. So much more can be said, but that's the first thing that the Apostle Paul wants us to be in prayer for. Pray for the advance of the gospel. Pray that it would run like an Olympic sprinter throughout this world and that the victory might be found as people are brought from serving idols to serve the living and true God. And those who hinder that gospel might be um, overturned and uh, defeated. The second thing that the Apostle Paul asks us to pray for is that we would pray that God would sustain the church, would sustain us in our faithfulness to that Message. This is what comes out in verses 3 uh, through 5. He says and prays here that the Lord is faithful, he reminds us. He reminds us that the Lord uh, keeps his promises, that the Lord will not forsake you or abandon you. The Lord is with us, as he has said. The Lord is faithful. He will establish and guard you against the evil one. Right? The one who is greater than you, the one who is stronger than you. Christ will guard you and establish you against. 
And he says, verse 4, that we have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. Again, in the midst of this spiritual fight and the spiritual war, we, we know and feel in ourselves that we need a champion. We need one who will step forward to secure our feet and to give us confidence in the battle. All right, the catechism reminds us, as you read earlier, that we are so weak that we cannot stand on our own for a moment. And our sworn enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh, never stop attacking us, right? There's not a moment of peace. We are the church militant. And so we are to pray, Lord, uphold us and make us strong by the power of your Holy Spirit, right? The strength of the people of God is not found in earthly means. It's found in what Christ supplies for us in the Holy Spirit. And the reason he supplies this is so that we may not be defeated in this spiritual fight, but may firmly resist our enemies until we finally win the complete victory. That victory comes to us in uh, the return of Jesus Christ, as our great king comes uh, to defeat all of our enemies. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. It's when Jesus Christ returns. And so until that day, we are called to pray for this. Until, until the day of Christ's return, we, we will face enemies. And when we, when we fail to see that, when we think we're at peace, it's then when we are most vulnerable and, and we'll, all, we'll likely fall. But when we recognize our enemies, we then are then th- um, drawn to pray that the Lord would sustain us and keep us in this spiritual fight. And so the Lord then, we are to pray that he would keep us faithful. And that our confidence then is not in ourselves and our own ability, but our confidence is in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is today King of kings and Lord of lords. Our confidence is not in ourselves, but Jesus Christ, uh, who is the one in whom all authority in heaven and on earth has been given. And our confidence is in the one who has himself already conquered sin and death, who has triumphed over the evil one. Our confidence is in our victorious king, and therefore we have the confidence that we will gain the final victory in him and in him alone. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ, our Lord, our King, our Savior. We ask, Father, that you would strengthen us in the spiritual fight. Father, especially as we think about the ways in which the enemy hinders the advancement of the gospel, we pray uh, that all of his um, schemes would be thwarted and that your gospel would run forth with great speed and with great vigor throughout this world, conquering hearts that they might turn uh, from serving idols to serve you, the one true and living God. Father, may we also be those... Um, waiting for the Lord Jesus Christ, looking to him, who is our strength, our shield, our rock. And we pray this in his name. Amen.